this this uh, next couple of weeks, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be it's going to be good, but it's going to be fun. Uh, and, and speaking of VBS, we've got something we'd like everybody to participate in on June the thirteenth. You'll see some announcements about this on Facebook and Twitter and whatever else. Um, but on June the thirteenth uh, at Perry Hall, uh, Sweet Frog. They're going to uh, help us support our VBS. So everybody that goes in from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., a percentage of that is going to come to the Life Center. It's going to help us with VBS funds this year. So uh, you'll get more details. Be watching for that. But all you have to do is go go there. Uh, if you've ever, have you, who's ever eaten Sweet Frog? All right. People know what Sweet Frog is. You get your bucket, and you get to fill it up, and you can weigh it. And, you know, you can make a $40, a $40 yogurt if you want to. You make the joker heavy. Um, but it's fun, so uh, we look for you to help us do that. It'll be a good time. So we're talking about family stuff, and, and specifically, we're going to be talking about social media uh, over the next couple of weeks. And uh, uh, there, it's, it's fun, right? How many, how many love social media on a good day? Come on. <laughs> uh, so social media is fun. There's lots of fun things that happen with social media. There's, there's some great opportunities with it. But there's also some pitfalls and some dangers. And so uh, we're going to talk about some of that today. But I, I just want to tell you, you've got, he's got on the screen, you know, some of the things that we have on social media at the church here uh, where we pass information and we promote things. And, and, and we had, how many were here at Encounter two weeks ago, our worship Sunday? It was an amazing day. We had a full house. We had Kona Ice outside. It was awesome. It was just a great time. And so we did a promo on Facebook. We had over 670 people view that, that Facebook promotion for for, uh, for Encounter. And then the, f- the following day, we had pictures posted on Facebook, and we had over 500 people view those pictures. That's pretty awesome, right? Social media is cool. It's got some fun stuff. You know, you get fun stuff. You get to connect with old family friends or, or kids you went to school with, and, and you're like, wonder whatever happened to John Doe, you know, and you pull up his name, and here he is, and he's like, he looks, you look at that picture, and like, dude, he looks way older than I do. I don't know what happened to him. He had a rough life, <laughs> right? You get to find that. You get to see what people eat for lunch. I mean, how awesome is that, right? <laughs> so social media is great, and the best part about, about social media is Facebook stalking. Come on, don't act, don't look at your neighbor all like, <laughs> we all do it, you know. We get to poke around and see who, what, what they're up to, you know, hashtag private eye, hashtag creeper, hashtag you know, uh, I'm stalking you. <laughs> so it's fun, right? It, the, the amazing thing is how much social media has changed our, our world. I mean, you may not be, you may be one of those hardcore people that, that don't participate in social media, but it has totally changed our world. It's changed so much of how we communicate. It's changed how we view things. It's just changed a lot of how we function. In fact, you know, at work, our recruiting department, uh, they use Facebook and they use uh, Twitter and they use LinkedIn. They use social media to to not just recruit, but they also check people out. <laughs> they do a little Facebook stalking, right? So so it's it's changed a lot about what we do, and so uh, we're going to talk about this over the next few few weeks, and we're going to talk about things like intimacy, authenticity, compassion. What do those things have to do with social media? I'm really glad you brought that question up because. I would tell you, but I'd rather you come back next Sunday. We'll talk about one of those. And then Sunday after that, we'll talk about another one. So just come back all month, and we'll, we'll share all that with you. So today, our first one, our first hashtag struggle is about contentment. And I'm telling you, there are times when you're preparing for messages that, you know, this is a good one. I like it. You know, get excited. And there are times when you're preparing for messages, you're like, man, 
I don't know if I can do this one. This one's hard, <laughs> right? Because you just you feel when you're studying the scripture and you're reading through this and you're putting it together, you realize, man, hashtag personal struggle. You know, I'm, this is in my grill. So the only thing I ask for you to do while we're on this journey for the next few weeks is just to be honest with yourself. Don't, don't try to point at the person sitting beside you. <laughs> just, just pay attention Open your heart and let God talk to you. So we're going to talk about contentment today. And to start that off, we're going to talk about the opposite of that, and that's discontentment. So I talked to you about how social media has changed our world a lot. And so uh, sociologists have actually done studies, researches on the impact of social media. And it's actually one of the biggest driving causes for discontentment in people. Uh, One pastor, Pastor Furtick in, in North Carolina, made this statement. He said, you know... Social media is, is like comparing our behind-the-scenes with other people's highlight reels. We feel like losers because we see the best of their best, and we know the worst of our worst. How many can identify, right? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to peel back those layers. And it's not just about social media. Social media is just the tool right now. This will apply in all different areas of your life. So if you think, well, I don't have a Facebook account, so therefore I can go ahead and check out now. <laughs> just kidding. You can't. So Facebook is funny, right? You're scrolling through Facebook and, and you come across a picture of a cute little couple and they're on date night. Date night with my lovey. Heart, heart, heart. Emoticon with heart eyes. Three of them because it's always better if there's three, right? And there's a cool picture and this linen tablecloths and, and fancy candles and uh, violinists in the background playing softly and you're like... Your date night is, babe, want to grab takeout? Maybe we can get through an episode before we crash. How about, how about that for date night, right? And so it just kind of feels a little weird or, or, or friend X is posting a picture beside his new Audi S7. You know, he's smiling and, and you're, like, you're like, man, I got, I got a two-block car. Anybody know what a two-block car is? Nobody knows what a two-block, that's the car that you park two blocks down the street so you don't want anybody to see you get out of, right? That's what a two-block car is. So you're like, this guy's got an Audi A7, I've got a two-block car. You know, that's just the reality of the way this works. And then, of course, the Smith family has posted 27 pictures. New photo album from the Smith family on their Carnival Lines cruise to the Bahamas. It's their fifth one, right? And and there's pictures of them snorkeling and exotic fish, and they've got an underwater camera, so it's even more amazing. And you can see all this fun stuff, and you're like, dude, I just hoping for a weekend in Ocean City. (laughs) Hashtag goals. So the funny thing about social media is this, right? It's the first time, and this is the not funny part, I think. It's the first time that we actually have a gauge on our popularity. We can actually put a number to how many people like us. I remember when Laura and I first got on Facebook, we were kind of uh, late getting on Facebook. Um, I didn't even know what a Facebook was. Uh, Yeah, that hasn't been that long ago, unfortunately. (laughs) So we were on Facebook, and we were, like, getting friends. And I remember, how many friends you got? <laughs> how many friends you got? You know, we are counting how many friends we had. That, and, and, and then, you know, Facebook becomes such a part of our life. I don't know what my wife did on road trips before Facebook. Like, I don't know what she did. Because as soon as we get in the car, and she puts her seat button on, out comes the phone, and on goes Facebook, right? Three hours, four. It doesn't matter how long the trip is. I mean, Facebook is burning it up. So it just, it's it's. The, the thing about it is, though, I mean, there's so many things that are wrapped up in, in it used to, used to be, you know, you just could like something. Now, you like, 
you love, you laugh, you wow, you sad. You wow. I mean, all these different little pictures of, of how you're feeling with, with whatever the event is. And so it's, it's just really become very much uh, a gauge. And we determine, we kind of uh, take the understanding from this, that this is kind of a gauge of what our social life is like. And here's the thing that really gets me about that is all of us are impacted by it, but it's amazing to me how much pressure that our school-age kids have. How many know that middle school is the worst time of your life? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just the worst time of your life. It's the toughest time that you will ever go through. And, you know, you go to school. You're, you're not the most popular kid at school, and so middle school's tough. And then, you know, you're like you're counting down the days till summer, and then you can leave. Or you're counting down the days till the closing bell, and you can go home. But you know what? It never leaves the kids. That stuff just stays with them. It's on their Facebook. It's on their, on their Instagram. It's all these places, Snapchat. So if they're, if they're not one of the popular kids or they're one of the kids that gets bullied or, or pressured or made fun of, it never goes away. So the pressure is intense. It's pretty heavy for them, uh, for them now. And so it, it's really tough uh, when we look at these social media and we begin to compare ourselves with other people. And, and that's the thing that breeds the discontentment. They did a study at a couple of colleges, um, and they took a group of, of con- uh, participants in this study, and they, they set them on Facebook for 30 minutes, and then immediately after that 30 minutes of perusing Facebook, they did kind of a, an emotional test, a survey to see how they were feeling. And one-third of the students <clears throat> were depressed, citing envy as their number one emotion while scrolling through Facebook. Now, this is where I told you it's going to... It's going to kind of get in your, in your business a little bit because envy is something that, that the Bible's clear about as being a problem, right? And we're going to talk about that today because um, there's, there's, there's no way to, to face that without just calling it what it is, right? We can try to sugarcoat it or make it, make it easier to swallow, but at the end of the day, it's a bitter pill. And we're going to talk about that today. So this journey is going to take honesty, and if you're willing to be honest, just let me see your hand. Now, you, don't, you know you're not going to put your, not put your hand up because you're like, why aren't you being honest in church? <laughs> right? So, so we're going to take this journey together. And there's three categories of, of discontentment that I want to talk about today. And, and I want you to know something that there are things that we struggle with that only Jesus can help us with. Right? We can try to deal with it, but ultimately it's only Jesus that can help us overcome some of the things, some of the struggles that we face. And I think what we're talking about today is one of those things. So first area we're going to talk about is an area that, that kind of social media and our environment, not just social media, but our, our society kind of pushes, is the area of material and financial things, discontentment in these areas. You know, I talked about it in the examples of Facebook before, you know, but the new car and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you see Pinterest. Oh, don't ever go on Pinterest. It'll ruin your life. <laughs> you go to Pinterest and you're looking at John's house and every room looks like, you know, it belongs on Pinterest. It's like a magazine. And you're like, dude, if I move that picture that's been hanging on my wall, there's, behind that picture it's three shades lighter than the rest of the walls because it's been forever, 50 years since that picture's been moved. Right, so there's this constant comparison, and, and if if we if we are honest with ourselves today, every one of us in this room that sees that or has a friend who lives better than we do, or or we're on social media, we see it, we see these pictures, we have an emotional response, don't we? Don't don't be lying like it ain't true. We have an emotional response, and that emotional response is we get a little jealous, we get a little envious, we get a little I wish this was me, right? I wish this was me. That's the reality of it. 
Second thing is relational discontentment. And this is a tough one. When you're looking and you're using social media or you're judging people from a distance and you're looking at how, how their life is unfolding, you know, they have more friends than I do and there's always pictures of their BFF and my BFF's my cat, you know, all these things that you're seeing all this stuff and you're thinking, you know, they have like 10,000 friends and I've got three. <laughs> all these things that just kind of feed this, this discontentment Relationally, I don't feel like I know as many people as this guy does, or I don't feel like I have as many cool relationships as this person does. And it generates this, this unsettledness in your heart. And if we don't deal with that, there's a bad byproduct that comes from that. The third and last one is circumstantial discontentment. That's, you know, comparing your life to somebody else's. You know, I, this is like his fifth work trip to like some cool place in the world, and I wait tables. You know, it just, maybe they, they just, they've got more cool social interaction than I do. And it's just, it kind of breathes this feeling of, well, my life is not quite as cool as I would like it to be. And like the video said, this isn't really what I thought my life would be. Not really happy with this. And it's being fed by, by things that we're allowing to, to sink into us because we're observing it from the wrong perspective. So I think before we can go anywhere, the first thing that has to happen is we have to have a perspective change, right? Someone said life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. Except we generally live like 90% is what happens to us and we really just don't even worry about trying to deal with the other 10% because we just have accepted it as that's just the way it is. But I'm here to tell you this. One thing we believe at this church is you were created with a purpose. We believe our calling is to help you find that purpose because when you find your purpose with God, it doesn't matter what they put on social media. You know who you are and you find your value in something that's so much greater than what someone's driving or what the latest meal is or whatever cool shoes they happen to be wearing at the moment. All those things kind of take a secondary place, which is where they should be because your, your purpose in life is supposed to have more meaning than those things. Would you agree with that? Yes. Amen. So Paul talked about this, and he, he described it, I think, best in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. He's talking here. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So first of all, let me say this. These kind of messages are, are, are always tricky to talk about because you may be sitting there looking at me thinking, well, if my life was like his, I could easily talk about this. Or I may be looking at you out there thinking, they have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? Because... You don't really know what somebody has gone through. But Paul talks about it this way from personal experience. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So he's been in both extremes. And he makes this statement, a very bold statement. He says, I have learned the secret of being content. Well, if Paul lived today, he would open several social media outlets, and he would market this secret <laughs> to contentment, wouldn't he, right? There would be people that would be buying. What is his secret to uh, to contentment. And in this passage of scripture, he goes ahead and answers it. it. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the key. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Right? Here's a guy who has both been recognized by, had a position of influence that the 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 religious government of the, of the Jewish nation sent him as an ambassador to carry out their missions. And then he was also the guy that was beaten up on a ship, wrecked, so floating in, uh, uh, on a, 
a log trying to get to an island. I mean, this guy has been in extreme situations. In fact, when he pins these words, he's a prisoner. He's tethered to a Roman soldier that, that he's under house arrest, and his crimes were simply sharing the gospel, right? So he's unjustly a prisoner, but he is a prisoner. So here's a guy who says, I've been in great situations. I've been in horrible situations. I've, been, uh, I've had plenty, and I've had nothing. But in all those things, I found the trick to being content is understanding that I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. And that is the message. True contentment isn't found in what you have. It's found in Christ. Now, before you say this in your head, well, that's easier said than done. I will acknowledge that is true. Okay? I will acknowledge that is true. And part of what we're going to unpack today is going to help you deal with that. Because it is difficult. It is difficult to say, well, you know, I'm just happy. I'm just content. And you're like, I'm really not. <laughs> because I really would rather the situation be different. You cannot purchase things like love, joy, peace, gratitude, forgiveness, and hope, can you? There's no Walmart sale where you can purchase any one of those things. And when everything in life gets stripped away, it's those intangibles that are really the things that bring contentment to your life, right? It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. When disease racks your body, none of those things really matter, do they? It doesn't matter how, how, uh, how famous you are. When pain comes to your life, there is no amount of fame or wealth that can eliminate that, that pain. There's a saying that says, those that say money can't buy happiness don't know where to shop, <laughs> right? I think I could give a good shot at that, practice, you know, seeing if I can prove that, 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 uh, that philosophy wrong. The truth of the matter is, sometimes it's the intangibles of the things I just mentioned that are the things that bring true contentment, and we have to get through that. The, the Bible says it this way, the eyes of man are never full. What that means is this, right? I have something, but then somebody else has something a little better, and now I want that one. And social media is a mechanism that feeds that flame. It's like gas to a fire, right? You're just scrolling through. You just came off a great Ocean City vacation, and, man, your neighbor just got back from the Bahamas. Ah! <laughs> There's always something a little better. So what's the fix to this? How do we fix this problem? How do we solve this problem? How do we fight this problem? Because, you know, envy is not a good thing. There's two things we're going to focus on. First of all, we know that we do this how? Through Christ who gives me strength. Look at your neighbor and say, through Christ who gives me strength. First thing we do is we kill comparison. We don't lessen it. We don't do a little bit uh, different approach to it. We just kill it. We kill comparison. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves. That is a bold statement. We don't dare to do it. Why? Why would we not? Why is it that big of a deal if I compare myself to somebody else? Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to unpack that. I don't think we've already kind of made a case for that, right? If you constantly live in a state of comparing yourself to your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, your Facebook buddy, whatever it is, you'll always find that it's fueling the flame of discontentment in your life. I mean, you may be in a situation where Half of your friends are living lesser than you are, so you're in a good spot, right? But let me tell you, there's always that one <laughs> that can one-up you, right? There's always that one that can stir that flame or, or fan that flame or cause that discontentment to kind of rise up. So we don't dare. We don't want to compare. We don't want to do this because it creates problems. There are no wins in comparisons. There are no wins in comparisons. 
Why is it critical to kill them? James chapter 3. Pay attention to this verse. It's, it's powerful. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and don't deny the truth. Such wisdom, it's in quote, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual. And James gets a little up in your face on this one. He says it's demonic. It's demonic. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Man, I mean, James is just calling it out. He's just laying it on the table. And he says, listen, if you're going to compare yourself and you're gonna, if you're going to stir up this, this envy in yourself, if you're going to allow this stuff to stay with you, it's going to lead you down a path that you are not going to like where you end up being. The word harbor there is interesting to me. It means to conceal or hide, to keep or hold in the mind, to house or contain. What James is saying here, if you choose to house and contain in your mind these feelings, these envious feelings, these feelings of jealousy, these feelings of discontentment, it is going to spin you out of control. It's going to open the door to demonic influence that you were not calculating, that you were not planning for. You're going to find yourself chasing things that you're like, why am I so driven? Why am I obsessing? Why am I freaking out? Why am I stressing out? Why is there no peace in my life? Why am I just burned out? Why am I so horrifically in debt? Why, why, why? This is the beginning of that problem. This is the beginning of that problem. I'll share a little personal struggle, hashtag struggles with Andrew, right? I have church envy. Church envy is a problem, right? So I went to seminary and all of my uh, fellow students you know, many of them became pastors. Many of them went different ways. But there's a group of them that are pastors. And, and Facebook is great because I've been able to connect with people I haven't seen since 1994. Yes, that's a long time ago. And yes, that was when I graduated from college. Yikes. My walker is picked out. So I'm looking through Facebook, right? And I'm seeing some of my buddies from school. And their churches are like 800 people. I'm like, man, that's, ah, Right, and then a buddy of mine, he, uh, they just got a new facility, and and uh, I got to go see it, and it was amazing. And honest to God, I was trying to be genuine. Man, I'm so excited for you, and it felt so hollow. <laughs> it felt really fake, and I'm like, D- do I sound as fake as I feel right now? I mean, like, and the guy's telling me this was a dream since like I don't know. First time I ever came to this location, uh, I saw it, and I was like, that's where the church is going to be. And this was like 15 years ago, and now we're standing in the middle of a place, and it happened just like he was praying it would happen. He's like, and you wouldn't believe some guy, you know, came up to me, and we had lunch together, and he had like $100,000 he just gave me to go to the church. And, ah. <laughs> Hashtag struggles. <laughs> Right, so I'm scrolling Facebook, I'm, and, and it's not just one-sided, right? I also see uh, there's friends of mine that are pastoring churches in the deep south, and they got like four people that go, and it's hokey, man. And I'm watching it on Facebook Live, and I'm like, thank God our church ain't like that. <laughs> y'all, y'all get the real deal, man. <laughs> I'm. This is what we go through because we're people, because we're human, 
And now it's really bad when you have envy, church envy. That's like really bad. <laughs> it's one thing to envy somebody's material things. It's another thing to have church envy. That's a different kind of problem. I probably need counseling. Pastor Scott, we need to meet later. I need help. Right? But this is where, where it's at, right? Social media, these kinds of things, if we're not careful, it's, it's a tendency in ours, of ours. We don't have to be taught how to be jealous, do we? You don't have to teach a kid how not to share, do you? You don't have to teach us how uh, to, to hate somebody. You don't have to teach that. It's in our broken nature. It's our brokenness that causes. That's where that comes from. But the thing is, once we find Christ, the Bible says all things become new. Right? Things are new. So we're a new creature. So that means those things like envy, they don't have to be in us anymore. But let me tell you this. You have to work on it. You're not going to scroll through social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and see some of these things and them not have an effect on you. The difference is when it has that effect on you, you've got to recognize it, call it out, and deal with it. And not let that thing get a hold of you because it will kill you. And if you're one of those people here today that's like, I, this does not apply to me because I don't do any kind of social media, let me tell you something. There's a channel on your TV called QVC, and there are people that are addicted to that thing. Right? And it's fed from the same stuff I'm talking about now. Right? For four easy payments of $39.99, you can have the coolest thing ever. But you know what? Next week at 12 o'clock at night, you're going to scroll to the QVC channel again, and there'll be something that's the next model of that. And for five easy payments of $39.99, you can get that one. Right? There's a show on TV called Hoarders for a reason. Yeah, how do we kill, how do we kill comparison? Because I believe comparison is something we have to kill. It doesn't just go away. This is how we do it. We celebrate the successes and the wins of others. Oh, oh! I need to go to the restroom really bad right now. I'm just going to slip out. Be back in a minute. <laughs> I tell you, it's hard, man. It's hard to do that. It's hard to celebrate, right? When you've been driving that two-block car for so long, it's got so many miles on it. I had an old Ford Explorer that the odometer stopped at 100 and something thousand, and I drove it for probably five years after that. It probably had 400. I don't know how many miles that thing had on it. I, go to, I used to drive that thing to work, right? And, and every once in a while, the CEO of our company would come down, and I would have to go to an event, and he would say, hey, can I ride with you? I was like, ah, yeah, you don't want to ride with me. <laughs> can we use somebody else's car? I would always try to hide when it was time to take a ride, right? Because I didn't want him riding in my car, right? I had a, I had a four-block car. <laughs> so you're driving one of those, and your buddy pulls up beside you and says, dude, you got to come sit in my new car. And it's the exact same model that you've been looking at, the exact color that you've been looking at, the same wheels you've been looking at. And you're going to be like, I'm so excited for you. I really mean that. You ever heard the statement, you got to fake it till you make it? It applies here. <laughs> it's like forgiveness, right? I'm sure you guys have heard this before. When you forgive somebody, nine times out of ten, it's not because you feel like it. It's because you know it's the right thing to do. Turning the other cheek. We know about that, right? Nobody ever feels like that. You do it because it's the right thing to do. How you kill comparison is whenever your friend, your buddy, your Facebook friend, whoever is getting a win in their life and you congratulate them and you rejoice in their successes, that becomes the weapon you use to kill comparison. No, you won't feel it. No, you won't mean it. But you're going to say it because you know 
it's the right thing to do. Here's the interesting thing about the way we work. It takes 12 years for us to graduate from high school, right? And we've been doing the same thing for 12 years. (laughs) Right? It's repetition that helps us learn it. It's tough to do. It's hard to do. But I have a question for you. And if you're taking notes, I'll say it slow so you can write it down. What if our blessings from God were directly proportionate to the level of celebration we had when another person received a blessing we wanted? (gasps) I'll say it one more time. What if our blessings from God were directly proportionate to the level of celebration we had when someone received a blessing that we wanted? Now, that's a bold statement. It's a big question. And fortunately, God is graceful and merciful, and he doesn't hold us to it. But what if? What if he did? Because if he did that, would that be a barometer of what kind of blessings you have in your life? So God doesn't work with us that way. Thankfully, he's forgiving and merciful to our weaknesses. But I want you to let that resonate with you because it can change your perspective. The perspective is this. If I want to kill comparison in my life, I've got to learn how to celebrate the wins in someone else's. The second thing is this. We will cultivate gratitude. Cultivate gratitude. There's a quote. It's going to pop on the screen. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in our lives. Envy is resenting God's goodness in someone else's life and it's ignoring God's goodness in our own life. That's not a place you want to live. That is not a place I want to live. And let me tell you something. This is not one of those things when you fix it, you can walk away with a certificate and say, I dealt with that one. No, you'll deal with it as long as you're breathing, right? Because it's always there. There's always going to be a nicer. There's always going to be a prettier. There's always going to be a younger. There's always going to be a cooler. There's always going to be something else, right? Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So it's tough, but you have to cultivate it. Cultivate means to promote or improve the growth by labor, (laughs) by work and attention, to develop or improve by education or retraining. We cultivate gratitude. We teach ourselves gratitude. We make ourselves be grateful because it retrains how we think. Let me tell you something. God is always doing something great in your life. You don't always see it. I don't always see it. Because if I'm living in a life of comparing myself to somebody who's got it better, it's hard to see what God is doing for me. Big lesson learned. When you are starting to look at your life and you're looking at it through the perspective of what is, God, what is God doing in my life, I promise you, you will begin to see things in your life that God is doing just for you that you cannot compare to anyone else. But you have to cultivate it. You have to look for it. I have to cultivate it. I have to search for it. It's easier to see the negative than it is to see God at work in your life. It's easier to compare yourself to the easy thing than it is to say, you know what, I didn't get the brand new model, but this old two-block car of mine has never failed to start any morning I get in it. Come on, somebody. You're like, well, that's not really what I had in mind when I talk about blessings. I had a different plan. <laughs> right? right? But you got to look for it. you got to look for it. And there's nothing worse. I'll be honest with you. There's nothing worse than when you're having one of these moments when you're feeling really envious And somebody comes up to you and pats you on the back and said, well, at least that car started this morning. Oh. (laughs) Then you have to deal with an anger problem on top of the envy. It's just tough. So don't do that to people. It's bad. (laughs) 
catch them when they're in a good mood and say, man, it's amazing how that two-block car has lasted you all these years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is where we live, isn't it? Proverbs fifteen fifteen. For the despondent every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. You know what he's talking about? You've met those people? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if the sun is perfect, the temperature is perfect, everything is perfect, there's something that's wrong. Right? It doesn't matter how good things can be. There's two things that could be better. That, that person that's despondent. And the Bible says every day brings trouble. Why? Because that's what they're looking for. If you want bad news, friend, you, don't, you can find it anywhere all the time. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Why is it a continual feast? Why do they use that verbiage, that phraseology? Because if after you've had a feast, right, first of all, you've enjoyed it all the way to the point where you can't hardly breathe because you're full. Right? Thanksgiving feast, right? You get that puppy dog breath. You little shallow gasp and you get this big round belly, right? <laughs> you just can't hardly breathe because it's been great. The reason why they use that descriptive term is because when you're looking for God in your life, when you're looking for the good in your life, there's a satisfaction, there's a fulfillment, there's a fullness that comes with that. It counterbalances that discontentment, right? It does. It does. But you got to look for it. Ecclesiastes 6, 9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Next time you're on Facebook, Instagram, QVC, reading a magazine, watching your neighbor bring in the big box with the TV that's so big he has to have his buddy come help him unload it. <laughs> Whatever that happens to you, you got to cultivate gratitude. And I know you don't want to hear this right now, but if you have a car that runs, brand new or two-block, or doesn't matter, if you have a car that runs, you're better off than over half the people on the planet. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. Nobody wants to hear that if you have a roof over your head, food to eat, running water, you're better off than over half the population on the planet. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's still the truth, isn't it? It's still the truth. Worship team, you guys can come. The ticket here is about reframing, right? We already know the areas where this pops up. And everybody in the room, in some form or fashion, you felt this, you've dealt with it in some form or fashion. And for the most part, we deal with it. We kind of keep it at bay and keep it under control. But one thing we believe at the Life Center is Jesus came to give us abundant life and part of having an abundant life is not having everything you want part of having the truth of having an abundant life is when you're fulfilled in your life when you're content in your life when you're comfortable in your own skin because you know who created you and you know why you're created confident in who you are because you're a child of God. Confident in, in the life that you're busy doing because it has meaning and it matters. That's what abundant life is. There's a bumper sticker that says, whoever has the most toys in the die wins. Funny bumper sticker, but it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. What matters at the end of your day is the amount of people that are there because they value 
who's lying on the bed. I read a book one time. The guy attended a funeral, a lot of people at the funeral. And while he was at the funeral, he had the thought. He's like, I wonder how many people would come to my funeral. From that question spawned a series of books and studies. Because the question is not, I mean, obviously you're laying in the casket. You don't know if someone's there or 500 people are there. It doesn't matter to you. But when you're living, it matters, right? Who, when they found out that you had passed, who would be devastated? Who would be there to support the people you left behind? Who would be there to, to, to realize that the world has lost a great person? Not because of the things you have, because, but, but because of the individual that you are. These are the intangible things in life that God gives us. They're woven into our fabric. The problem is we're broken. Sin messes that stuff up for us. We're created in the image of God. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience. All that stuff is really in our DNA. It's just so suppressed that we have to work really hard to get it back. But once we find Christ, friend, all that stuff is there. We just have to cultivate it. We've got to realize that we're a different person. You may have been a person that was full of jealousy and envy, but today you don't have to be. And you can do the things necessary to change it. When you're exhausted and wiped out because all the things you've been involved in with your family, you're just beat at the end of the day. Instead of bemoaning that fact, why aren't you grateful? Because of the things you get to pour yourself into that matter. When you get a bad case of church envy like me, and everything looks better somewhere else. I get to stand up here at least every other week and look out at faces and realize that God is doing some really amazing things in their lives. And that's, that is why I'm living. That is why I'm alive. We just get distracted, don't we? Remember, we can bloom where we're planted. Stand with me this morning. We got to kill comparison because it's unhealthy, it's sinful, it, it's difficult in our lives, it's not good for us. And we need to cultivate gratitude because it changes our perspective and help us see the blessings of God in our life every day. Father, I'm so grateful for your presence that's here today. This is a tough one. Every one of us in this room has felt it, the struggles we deal with. And God, we realize that envy and discontentment breeds it, and it's not good for us. God, I pray today that you would help us to, to be honest with ourselves and, and let your light shine in our hearts where we re, re, it's revealed to us, God, that there's, there's residual of that in us, God. We want to change it. We want to kill comparison. We don't want to compare ourselves with other people. God, we want to know what you have to say about us. What do you have to say about us? What value have you added to us? What, what things in this life have you given to us that matter, that are important? Our family, our kids, our friends, our relationships. Don't let us be sold a bill of goods that's empty and plastic. God, but help us as we, as we celebrate the wins of our friends and family and neighbors. God, we'll begin to go through that awkward feeling of it not feeling real. And then as we do it, we'll begin to have a change in our heart. And it really will be real. We'll really mean it because from inside of us, the Bible says that from inside of us, rivers of living water will flow. This is what that's talking about. This is a river of living water flowing out of us.